We are talking about the thank you note tonight. And uh, yeah, Jimmy Fallon does a thing every Friday night, which is that's kind of like his logo, the moon and stuff. But have you guys ever had to write a thank you note? Anybody? Yeah. Yes. What do you have to write thank you notes for? I write thank you notes for the veterans. For the veterans? For birthday presents? I had to write one just for Mother's Day. You had to write a thank you note for Mother's Day? Huh? I didn't have to leave the Hey, I'll be quiet. I can't hear him. What? To the mirror. To the mayor. To the mayor. You had to write a, oh. You had to write a thank you note to the mayor. What about you, bro? I did. To your mom. To your mom? That's awesome. So here's, you know, and, and, and as we as you get older, we have to do those. Like for graduation, uh, whenever you get like really good gifts for graduation, you got to write, it's polite to write thank you notes. And um, when I get married next fall, Jen and I are going to have to write a bunch of thank you notes because all those gifts, you got to write a, you a thank you note. And thank you notes are weird because sometimes it's weird to know what to say after like, thank you for the blender or whatever. I'm in marriage mode. Okay, that's the kind of stuff I'll be getting, you know. But then, you know, so it's really weird. And that's, you know, it's weird to write thank you notes because you don't know what to write after thank you. Like, it's very hard to fill it out after that. And so, uh, but tonight, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about kind of a thank you note in the Bible. So thank you notes are weird. And uh, in the Bible, Paul actually wrote a thank you note, okay? The Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And uh, in his day, it's very common to say thank you at the end of the letter if you read through uh, all of Paul's writings, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Corinthians, all, those, all that kind of stuff. Um, they all, a lot of them do end with a thank you. But, but the Philippians is almost entirely like a big thank you note. And here's why. See, most of the letters that Paul wrote to, to churches were because they were doing something wrong, like the Corinthians, and they were like doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and marrying people that shouldn't be marrying, and all kinds of weird stuff in Corinth. Um, he's correcting doctrine, he's rebuking, so most of his letters are about him kind of getting, getting on to people, like taking them to the woodshed a little bit. But Philippians is the only one of Paul's letters that's not like that. It's just kind of Paul saying thank you. And what he was saying thank you for is that uh, Paul spent a lot of time in prison. Like it was just kind of his thing. He always got in trouble for preaching about Jesus, so they threw him in jail. And uh, and in that day, you had to actually pay to be in jail. Like you had to take, you had to pay for your own food and stuff. Otherwise, they just throw you in there and let you starve to death. Like if you didn't provide your own food or have people on the outside who were providing your food, you would just stay in jail till you die. But the Philippians, the, the church at Philippi, they were sending food to Paul. While he was in jail. And they took care of him. And so he writes this letter to say, hey guys, thanks for doing that. That's pretty awesome of you, right? Like, good job by you guys. And, uh, and, and, and so that's the, the, kind of what we're going to look at is the very end. So it's a thank you note at the end of this whole letter that is to thank them for doing that. And you'll recognize some of this in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. It'll be on the screen. Or if you've got your version app, you can pull it up. I did remember to put it on there this week. So... Uh, um, so, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. It says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So this is just basic, like, gratefulness. He's like, hey, listen, guys, thanks for that. That was pretty awesome of you. I know you guys wanted to help, but you didn't have an opportunity. And then you did, and so you helped. And so the fact that they were thinking of him brought him joy. And so not only does he have their thoughts and prayers, which is always nice, 
But he has the physical, like, hey, thanks for helping me stay alive type thankful too, you know? Um, and that's one of the things we have to be grateful for is the family of God, right? We've heard, I've heard it said this way. Being confident in God equals confidence in God's people. Right? And, and nowadays there's people who say, I don't need to go to the church. I don't, really, I don't really need other people. And that's just not true. The Bible talks over and over about uh, how, how we as Christians help sharpen one another. Uh, Proverbs 27, 17, it's iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And Philippians 4.10 is another reminder that the will of God is accomplished through the people of God. Right? So he's like, hey guys, thanks. You guys are awesome. And, and I appreciate it. So he's grateful for the gift and that God had like encouraged and spurred the people to send it. So moving on, well, we've got several verses to get through. So uh, in verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And so what he's saying there, he's like, listen, I've learned a long time ago to be, to be uh, content in whatever I'm going through. And Paul went through a bunch of stuff. Anybody know what kind of stuff Paul went through during his journeys? He got He was in jail a bunch of times. We talked about that, yeah. Anybody, anybody else know what kind of things he went through? Torture? He did. He got tortured, yeah. Like, they didn't like him. They didn't like him preaching about Jesus. So he got beat and tortured a few times. Anybody else? Okay. That was Peter who got crucified upside down. That was Peter who got crucified upside down. No. Paul actually got shipwrecked, I think twice, if I remember correctly, over the course of his times. He was shipwrecked. Um, he got bit by a snake, a venomous snake one time. Shook it off in the fire. It was fine, but still, that would freak me out. Um, Paul went through a bunch of stuff. And so he's like, listen, I've been in good times. I've been in bad. I've learned what it is to be content. And that sounds like he's saying, it's okay, I got it, right? Which we get in our culture today. Like, American culture is all about uh, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and the American dream and doing it yourself. But that's not what he's saying. He's not, he's not claiming self-sufficiency, okay? In fact, he's claiming the opposite because the next verse we've all heard, okay? It's really famous. Wes has a tattoo on his arm, in fact. Uh, he does. He'll show you later. He's got a tattoo on his arm of the scripture reference. But we think of it, we don't really think of it in its context. See, and this verse comes in context of saying, I am, I'm content no matter what because, verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength or through Christ who gives me strength, depending on the version you're used to reading. And so he's not saying I'm self-sufficient. What he's saying is I'm not self-sufficient. I'm Jesus-sufficient. And he's like, I appreciate you guys doing stuff. For me, helping me out. I'm content no matter what because Jesus is with me and he gives me strength. But I do appreciate you you giving it. So he was grateful for both the gifts from the Philippians and for the strength to persevere that came through Jesus. Now Paul's going to shift his focus. Okay, the next few, the next few verses, Paul's going to shift from his own gratefulness to the Philippians' generosity. We're going to read three verses. It's kind of a long chunk here. It says... Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, so when you were first Christians, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So this is not the first time the Philippians have helped Paul out. Okay, Paul's an itinerant preacher. 
He relied on the churches a lot of times just to provide for him and to help him have his basic needs met. And so he founded a bunch of churches. Like that was what Paul did. He was a church planter. And so he planted a bunch of churches, but he says, you guys are the only church that have helped me out when I needed food and when I needed a place to stay. You guys are the ones who hooked me up. All these other people just kind of let me go. But you helped me out repeatedly. And he said time and time again, all these other churches would have known Paul. They're getting letters from him. They would have known about the things he needed. And yet the church of Philippi is the one that did it. And he says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. So it's like this. Imagine, imagine there's a domino. Okay, and for every domino that gets pushed over, you get a dollar. Okay, Corlin? You get a dollar for every domino. Now, now, imagine there are a thousand dominoes, just crazy dominoes set up. I wish I'd have thought of this, of this person earlier. I'd had a video, but uh, this just popped in my head. So, there's a thousand dominoes set up, right? How many do you have to push? No. One. You only have to push one. And so, if you only pushed one, you should only get credit for one because that's the only one you touched, kind of. Right? But it has a domino effect and it knocks a thousand over. So what Paul is saying, you helped me, yes. And so that's one. That's the one you pushed. But in keeping me alive, you're going to help me plant more churches. And therefore, more people are going to get to know Jesus. And so therefore, you, he's, he's saying you're going to get credit for all those other ones. Even though you only touched me, you only helped me out specifically. You didn't, you know, you're not going to meet all those other people. But you still are going to get credit for all those. It's kind of like when we give to missions. Right? Like, uh, we know, you know, there's several different missionaries connected to our church. A few more fixing to head out. And while we can't reach people in all those other nations directly, you know, we might could go on a short-term mission trip a week or two, um, but we don't have the ability to be there all the time and get to know people and tell them about Jesus. But when we give to missions, we give to Speed the Light, we give to BGMC, what we do is we help other people get reached. And that credit does come back to us too in the kingdom. Our kingdom credit gets... It's because of that. And so that's what Paul's saying. He's like, listen, I'm appreciate, I appreciate how you helped me. But when you gave, you helped so many more people as well. And I hope you get the credit for that. And so uh, when he talked about gratitude. And then he talked about the generosity of the Philippians. And the funny thing about this is, is in church especially, but in the world in general, uh, gratitude and generosity, uh, they're the kind of things that we almost seem are forced on us. Like we don't really think about them and we... We don't do them naturally. You know, like when we get to Thanksgiving, we all think about gratitude, right? Because you have to. Anybody's parents, before they'll pray and eat, make you say something you're thankful for? A couple of y'all have that, right? Like on Thanksgiving dinner, you've got the turkey and the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and the sweet potato casserole and the, the green bean casserole and, and whatever else is in your family's Thanksgiving dinner. But before you can eat it, and it's just sitting there smelling good and getting cold, and you're like, everybody better th be thankful quick so we can get this thing on the road, right? we got to eat quick. And so we, we kind of have to force ourselves to be grateful. Same thing with generosity. Any of you guys, I know you guys probably aren't quite, most of y'all haven't had this much, but maybe you've seen it where you go to the store and they're doing the collection for a March of Dimes or whatever. And you go through and you're like, I just want my Twix. I'm like, would you like to donate a dollar? to?" And then you feel like a jerk if you're like, no thanks. And you lie. No thanks, I already did. Thanks. You know, I already did it. I did that last time I came through. Right? You guys, if you haven't done it yet, you will. You will. It'll happen. Um, 
Because generosity is not natural, and we kind of get guilted into giving sometimes. Um, but, but that's what Paul is saying. He's saying this is not just about what we can do for people or what God wants from us, but it's what he wants for us because we get credited back on that. God wants us to say, listen, I can't do this on my own strength, but thanks to God, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. And so we get to be generous, not just so that we can meet that momentary need, but so that we can have longer term and exponentially more credited to our account when we're generous. And so Paul ends the passage, we're going to skip verse 18 and go to verse 19. And it's not a promise for everybody just yet, okay? Because he's talking about the people who are generous. So he's talking to the generous people when he says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, okay? And we think about that, well, that sounds cool. God said he's going to meet all of our needs. But remember, he's talking to generous people, right? People who aren't generous, frankly, don't always get their needs met because they're selfish, right? It's like the Scrooge... Like the, a Christmas story, right? Kind of a thing. Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. Christmas story. That's Ralphie and the Red Rider BB gun. But um, so, and it, it, there's this phrase in there that says, "According to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus." Let's think about what that means exactly. Um, let's imagine you're walking down the street, which I know nobody actually walks down the street, but just just go with me, okay? You do, okay? Good, good. So. You walk down the street, and you see this car careening out of control. It's about to hit this dude. And you jump, and you pull the guy to the side, and, and you save his life. Because without you, he would have got run over by this drunk driver. And you save this person's life, and as you're getting up, and you're, you know, you're scratched up, and, and the car wrecked into the building behind you, whatever, and, and you get up, and you realize that the person whose life you saved was Bill Gates. And you're like, yes. I just saved Bill Gates, Bill Gates' life. I never got to work again, right? And Bill Gates says to you, he says, hey man, I appreciate you saving my life. And he reaches into his pocket and he hands you a $10 bill and he leaves. And you're like, dude, what the heck? That's Bill stinking Gates. Now, if you save my life, that's probably all you're getting because that's all I have. Like, I don't carry cash. So if you save my life, you're probably getting a $10 bill match. But Bill Gates, you're like, he can afford so much more than that. Right? You'd think if I save Bill Gates, I'm about to get a car and a house and college is going to be paid for. Right? It's going to be awesome. He drives a Corolla. That's what it means. I know, but he gives a lot of money away. Anyways, that's, just, just stick with, stick with the, the illustration here because... because that would be Bill Gates giving according to his riches. If he gives $10, that's not according to his riches. That's according to what he found in his shoe or something. I don't know. In his lint pocket. He, he, he can find 10 bucks in the lint, you know? But, but if he gives according to the riches he's got, then he's giving you real money. And that's what God wants. When God says, I'm going to meet the needs of the generous people according to my riches in glory, he's saying, man, I'm going to give you good. I'm not going to, you know, if you're generous... And if you're grateful, I'm going to give you the good stuff. I'm not going to give you just a little bit. I'm going, to, I'm going to give. The Bible says he's able to do more than we could ask or imagine. Okay, not just what you want, what you think you want. But God can give us, God is going to take care of our needs far better than we thought, than we thought he could. It doesn't mean we get everything we want, because not everything we want is good for us. Okay, but everything that we need is going to be taken care of according to his riches, which... You know, the Bible says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and he owns everything pretty much. He's got, he's got control over it all. 
And so when he says he's going to meet the needs of the generous according to his riches, that's a big, that's like Scrooge McDuck, okay? Anybody seen DuckTales? I know Shadow hasn't, even though she likes to wear her DuckTales t-shirt. Anybody ever seen DuckTales, the TV show, the cartoon? A few of y'all? So like during the intro of DuckTales, he dives into a pool of money, which it would actually hurt. It's coins, and I feel like he would die. But, you know, it's this theoretical thing. He dives into a pool of money, and that's big riches, that's the kind of stuff that God, how God can meet our needs. It's not just about a little bit. So if we'll be grateful and we'll be generous, then God will meet our needs according to his riches and glory. So if we'll be grateful and we'll be generous, God will supply our needs in a big way that even we can't comprehend. So let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll be done. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for who you are and your promises. Lord, I thank you that you have given us the body of Christ, just like you gave Paul the church at Philippi to supply his needs. I thank you that you have given us this group and this church, Lord, to, to love one another and to, to help one another out when we can. And I pray that we would not forget all of the things that you've done for us and all the things that you have given us. Um, God, just like we talked about or like everybody thought about last week at Thanksgiving, Lord, you have been so good to us. Uh, and we're grateful for that, Lord. And we don't want to take that for granted. We don't want to be bratty little kids uh, that always want the next thing, even though it's, it's just superfluous, God. I pray that we would remember how good you are to us and be grateful for that. And I pray that we would be generous. God, that's hard to do. It's, it goes against our nature. It's our nature to hoard and to hold in. But I pray that you would give us opportunities and give us reminders to be generous, Heavenly Father. That you would put people in our in our path where we can give and give us the, the, the opportunity and the, the resources to do so, God. Even when we can't see what's going to happen next, God, we know that you uh, love us and you will uh, supply our needs according to your vast riches, God. God, we love you and uh, we thank you, God, for who you are and for what you've done for us, God. It's in your name we pray.